in the name of one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Happy Super Bowl Sunday! It's impressive that so many of you made it to church instead of going to Trader Joe's for provisions. Now, I know there is a tendency to want to pray for our team. In this case, most likely the Rams. Though maybe there are a few Bengals fans interspersed among us. We pray that our team will be blessed with good hands, a great arm, quick feet and agile moves, but especially the championship. What? is God to do with such competing prayers? Will God bless us or curse us? This is the dilemma our gospel story presents for us today. In Luke, it is part of the Sermon on the Plain, the Sermon on the Field, so to speak. Our reading today is immediately followed by Jesus' teaching to love and to pray even for our enemies. The love commandment is central and cannot be separated out. Once again, Jesus has wandered off into the mountain to pray, to listen deeply to God's guidance. In the morning, he chose his first apostles out of a great crowd of disciples. I dare Reverend Rachel to name them. <laughs> she, she's having none of this. So I'm going to do it for her. Simon, who he called Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and two men named Judas. Most of us probably don't know that fun fact. Unless you're in the other gospel and then you get part of man. Okay. Ah. <laughs> oh. Aha! <laughs> hmm, we'll have to look that one up. Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot. Now, word had gotten out that Jesus possessed the power to heal every kind of condition that afflicts humans. With great hope, mothers brought sick babies, lepers dared come close, people with mental anguish, loneliness, trauma and pain of every kind swarmed onto the field to hear and touch him. Power flowed out of Jesus and every person was healed from what was hurting, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Can you even imagine? As I was preparing this week, I kept going back in my mind to the book of Job and how it mirrors what Jesus started teaching his disciples right after the healings. Job illustrates so clearly how a person was viewed as either blessed or cursed by God. Wealth, marriage, lots of children, and respect were considered clear signs that God's abundant blessing and favor in oh so many ways, they still are today. There is no way Job could have lost all his material goods, 
his wife, all his children, and even his friends' respect without having done something very, very wrong. God must be punishing you, Job, for something you did or failed to do to be cursed so terribly. Jesus knew this was the state of mind and heart of society at large. He also knew it was an accepted and expected internalized belief of those gathered on the field who were intently listening. Yet, how is it that they are now restored? Can we even imagine? Notice that Jesus pairs blessings with woes that offer a challenge to the comfortable. Scholars believe that they are introduced in order of their importance. Poor, rich, hungry, full, weeping, laughing, hated, valued. Notice, too, that the blessings are being poured out on those who suffer from social conditions that are completely preventable. Jesus is not saying, it's a marvelous thing to live in abject poverty and misery. In his book, The Divine Conspiracy, professor and theologian Dallas Willard drives that point home. He says, Jesus does not say, blessed are the poor because they are poor. What a fine thing to be poor and destitute. It makes people worthy of the kingdom. No, no, no. What Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of God and God's abundant blessing is open to all, including those society keeps marginalized, minimized, and oppressed. Willard, Willard uh, continues on and puts it this way. In the midst of their ever so desperate condition, the rule of the heavens has moved redemptively upon and through them by the grace of Christ. By the grace of Christ. Once again, Jesus turns our human value system upside down. On the flip side, we have the woes, designed to teach just how messed up our human ideas of worthiness have historically been and continue to be. These verses alone are enough to show the error of the prosperity gospel, which asserts that financial success, physical wellness, and happiness are a sign of being blessed by God. Nothing is further from the truth. Yet just as in the case of poverty not being a social condition celebrated by Jesus, neither is wealth and laughter a sign of God's condemnation either. What Jesus is pointing out is the soul-crushing risk of believing and behaving as if we or someone else is self-made, completely self-reliant, all-powerful and superior, with no hunger or need for God. Every person on the field the day that power flowed out from Jesus felt the hand of God on them, and they were changed. 
their perception of themselves was changed, and their perception of the person next to them was changed. They understood whose they were and what they were. All were precious, all were worthy, all were beloved of God. It is no longer mattered one's social status. Poor, rich, clean, unclean, respected, deplored, woman, child, man, slave free, black, white, Greek, Jew, Palestinian, those who are viewed as unlovable, lazy, inadequate, or deficient, those who became so comfortable in this life that they forgot where they came from and where they are going. By the grace of God, they were all changed. Can we even imagine? Now that, my friends, is what Bill Soper most likely means when he admonishes us to stay blessed. The community of St. Cross is called to serve as a sign that God's abundant love and grace is available to each and every person to be a beacon of hope and restoration in this heartbroken world. Yet we too have changed. Like those on the field, we have been battered about and many are tired, traumatized, and disconnected. At the very same time, we are blessed with a committed and talented vestry who also answered when God came calling. Disciples named Seth, Elizabeth, Anne, Greg, Jim, Lori, Jessica, Larry, Jack, David, Joe, and Sherry. They listened deeply to God and to each other, and they pray for each other. As we step out to serve in new and old ways, let us remember to do the same. Be still and know that God is God. Listen to each other and pray for one another. Finally, whether or not your team wins or loses this afternoon, you can rest assured that God's playing field is completely level. Everyone is worthy of the kingdom of heaven. In God's eyes, everyone is a champion. Can you even imagine? Amen.